right. Sorry about the no episode last week. Um, it's just because I'm a moron who made a mistake, and I'm not going to tell you what it is because it's embarrassing. So, <laughs> this is Queer Halftime. My name is Becca, and I use she, they pronouns. And I'm here with our practicum student, Paige, who was on the last episode, but now you get to meet them for the first time. Hello, everyone. My name is Paige, and I use they, them pronouns. Awesome. Paige, what do you want people to know about you? Um, that's a good question. This I'm very into um, heart reduction and mental health and that kind of thing. So initially doing my practicum, I thought that that was the field that I was going to be going into. Um, but being queer myself, I am super happy to be joining the Out Loud Foundation and working with Becca and Kelsey. It's been really awesome so far. Yeah, we are loving it. They've taken over our social media and it's been wonderful. I love it. Social media is my jam. (laughs) Yes. So um, how much do you know about like the history of bottom surgeries, Paige? Not a lot in all honesty. Cool. How much do you know about 1930s Germany? A little bit, but probably not as much as I should know. (laughs) Cool. Um, so just a heads up, there are going to be brief mentions of some of the stuff that the Nazis did, but just very, very brief, um, just because this takes place in Germany from like the 1920s to forties. Um, but we're going to talk about Magnus Hirschfeld. Okay. I recall you mentioning them the other day at at work. (laughs) Yes. So this is kind of about him and his work. Oh, cool. Um, so he was a German physician and sexologist which is a great word. Um, And he founded the Scientific Humanitarian Committee, which was described as the first advocacy for homosexual and transgender rights. And basically his like radical, quote unquote, ideas had a pretty big impact on how Germans viewed sexuality. So yeah, he was born like late kind of 1800s and then is starting his work really early 1900s. So he was really well known for his advocacy surrounding same gender relationships, saying that homosexuality was part of the plan of nature and creation, just like normal love. Nice. Yes. Yeah. Uh, He worked to repeal legislation that made homosexuality a crime in Germany and did similar work against anti-abortion legislation. Didn't succeed, but, you know, some really important first steps. Exactly. (laughs) And um, in his early career, uh, he treated a lot of gay like soldiers with uh, really bad depression, some of whom ended up taking their own lives because of how their sexuality was viewed. And so that really kind of spurred his activism. Right, of course. And he even ended up doing like a lot of kind of anthropological and historical research on um, sexualities in other cultures around the world gotcha like outside of europe so he looked at like in asia he did some work um in africa there was in the time do you know what human zoos are no actually i don't (laughs) they were this phenomenon they were terrible Um, very much bad (laughs) they're very much a product of uh colonization Mm -hmm. but basically they would take indigenous peoples of various colonized areas and bring them to like show off like at home gotcha. this one that Hirschfeld happened to go to um, he brought along an interpreter so he could actually engage with the people there um, and ask them about how sexuality was viewed in their culture okay yeah yeah because there was nice. I can't remember but there was this um, these people in Africa who 
there was a lot of like same sex women relationships, or at least this was like the big rumor in Germany is because they apparently had really large labias. (laughs) So he did some research and he's like, well, you know, they aren't really that markedly different from German women. And therefore, if they have, you know, these higher prevalence of same sex relationships, but look a lot like German women, then it would make sense that German women would also show these tendencies. Of course. Yeah. Right. And just kind of trying to normalize all of that. I'm like, this isn't some weird African thing. They are exactly. a lot like it's actually everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So he did all of this research, um, just kind of back up his theory about how natural all of it is. And then when the first world war happened, he was initially supportive, um, because there was a huge groundswell of German nationalism, right. To be like, mm-hmm. you know, um, loyal to the fatherland. But he very quickly became a pacifist and started writing anti-war stuff, especially as he began treating, um, you know, all these young men with what we called shell shock at the time, but now we call post-traumatic stress disorder. Of course. So, yeah, I don't understand how people could see people coming back from the First World War and think that this was a good thing. Yeah, no kidding. Because it's, Yeah. Traumatizing as hell. Every time I read about the First World War, it's infuriating. I can only imagine. Yeah, no kidding. Because the second one, there was a justifiable reason. Like this horror, these horrible things are happening and we need to fight back against this. The First World War, three distant cousins, the um, British King, the Russian Tsar, and the German Kaiser, all related, got pissed off at each other. And decided to throw millions of young men at each other. Oh, God. (laughs) (laughs) All for imperialism. Um, Yeah. yeah. Oh, my God. But yeah, so he was very, he became anti-war and just kind of continued his uh, advocacy. Um, And by 1920, violent anti-Semitism was really starting to get more rampant, like, outwardly. Like there was always anti-Semitic <clears throat> shit going on in Europe for basically as long as Jewish people and Christians yeah. have been in contact with each other. Um, exactly. But it was really starting to get like, um, you know, these far right guys were starting to really get a little bit more influence. Um, and Hirschfeld was actually jumped by a couple of them because he was Jewish and gay and beaten quite badly. Oh, geez. Yeah. And it was after that, that he founded the World League for Sexual Reform. And he is also the person where we get the terms transvestite and transsexual. Okay. Which I found interesting because that's not something I didn't really thought of. Exactly. Yeah. He also um, made sure to differentiate them from uh, intersexuality. Okay. Which I feel like a lot of times it was kind of conflated. Yeah, totally. So, yeah. And I think, I think we've talked about intersex on here before, but it's basically a chromosomal thing. People, you know, can be born we learn in bio that it's like XX and XY, but it could be like one X or one Y or three X's or like any of these combinations and they develop yeah. like present differently than like what's expected. Quote unquote. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> um, so they can have a combination of like primary and secondary sex characteristics. Right. And we do surgery on the babies to make them look more like one or the other, which is super cool and moral. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and fucked up. 
<laughs> I was being sarcastic, but yes. I know. Yeah, I know. <laughs> We're not fans. Definitely not. Yeah. So at this point, by 1919, he opened the Institute of Sexual Research, which had a very German name that looks very hard to pronounce, but <laughs> we're going to just call it the Institute. Yeah. Um, so it housed his archives, his like library of research. There was a museum of sex, which was like a public education resource that like kids took field trips to for school. And it's also where some of the first gender affirming surgeries happened. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah. So um, people came from all over Europe and even farther to kind of come there and learn a little bit more about their sexualities. Um, and it ended up having quite a few trans people coming. Right. Makes so sense. at this point, I'm going to introduce a couple of their characters. Okay. <laughs> so first we, we have Carl M. Baer, um, who's a German Israeli author, suffragist, social worker, and trans man. And in 1906, he became the first trans person to undergo uh, gender affirming surgery, so like bottom surgery in this case. Um, and he actually even received a, received a male birth certificate. Oh, wow. Which is wild. For yeah. Time, that's amazing. Well, yeah. And so a year later, he, they actually, the courts decided he was allowed to marry like a woman as a man. Oh, wow. Yeah. So he did. He actually ended up getting married twice throughout his life uh, because he unfortunately became a widower. Um, so then, yeah, married a second wife. Mm-hmm. Uh, but basically during and after his transition, he worked with Hirschfeld to compile notes about his experience, right? right? Of, you know, being raised as a girl, but knowing you were a boy and like all of just those feelings and experiences and everything that came along with transitioning and all of that. Yeah, of course. And they turned this into like a semi-fictional, semi-autobiography kind of thing. Um <laughs> Which in English, this name is amazing. Memoirs of a Man's Maiden Years. Which I feel excellent <laughs> title. <laughs> um, yes, then uh, in December 1920, Bear became the director for the Berlin section of the Benai Brith, uh, which I'm assuming is a Jewish temple okay. or something. I only have so much time to do research, unfortunately. (laughs) Um, And he held that post until it was forcibly closed by the Gestapo uh, in 1937. And as an influential Jewish man Mm -hmm. and trans man, um, came into conflict with the Nazi regime. So a year later, he was uh, allowed to emigrate with his wife to Palestine. Um, Yeah, which... I think he, I didn't read too far into it, but he had some complicated feelings about like Zionism and stuff as a Jewish person oh, okay. living in Palestine. Um, but that's exactly. a whole other yeah, topic. A whole other episode <laughs> of podcast. <laughs> yes, but this podcast is pro-Palestine. <laughs> At least okay. I am. Yeah, I'm no. just going to speak for it. <laughs> uh, so another character we have is Dora Richter who was born into a large and very poor farming farming family uh, in 1891 Germany. And despite being born a boy, she acted like a girl Mm -hmm. from a very, very young age. Um, And at six, she actually attempted to remove her penis. um, Yeah, no kidding. (laughs) (laughs) You know, in a very six-year-old kind of way. Um, And in 1916, she was actually drafted for the First World War, but kicked out within uh, two weeks 
Uh, they didn't say why, but I yeah. can imagine. Yeah. <laughs> so when Hirschfeld's Institute opened, a friend suggested that Dora go there as it was one of the few places that a, a trans person could get a job. Like not just as a trans person, but as like living openly yeah, exactly. and being themselves. Like, so being. Um, yeah, so she was a domestic servant there and she was also a patient. So she... Let's see, in um, 1922, she had her uh, testicles removed. And then in 31, uh, she had her penis removed and she received okay. a vaginoplasty and was one of yeah. the first to receive this. Like, so full yeah. bottom transition. Um, and they like even, you know, recorded like the effects that it had on her body and all of this. Course. Like, it was very, you know, it's handy when your patients live and work with you because you can exactly them They're very observable. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So the two other in kind of the first category were Tony Ebel and Charlotte Charlac, uh, who came to the Institute as friends and who had begun transitioning okay. kind of at the same time. Uh, and they kind of navigated things like name changes right. and transition together. Um, so yeah, they also lived at the Institute, also received that full bottom surgery. Um, I believe they were partners, uh, but were forced to separate during the Second World War, but they both okay. survived right. separately. So that's... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and then sort of the one that took this even further was, a, this is a Danish name, but Lily Elba, Elb, I'm not sure. Um, but if you've ever seen, I think it's called The Danish oh. Girl. Um I think Eddie Redmayne played her, um, but it's about her. So she was a Danish painter and so was her wife. And so one day wife's model that was supposed to sit for her didn't show up. She was late or something. Uh, and so Lily sat in, uh, put on, you know, women's mm -hmm. clothing, women's, um, and sat for her wife and was like, I actually feel right. really good. <laughs> in this. Yeah. Like this, this feels right. Um, so that's when she started going by Lily. Um, and when they went, the two of them went out in public, she was, uh, her wife's sister-in-law. Oh, okay. Right. So she kind of started navigating the world as Lily more than, you know, as her sort of male alter ego. Right. Exactly. Um, she eventually made her way to the Institute in Germany, uh, and received the first of her surgeries there, uh, and then finished her transition at the Dresden Municipal Women's Clinic. And these surgeries all went well, including the implantation of an ovary. Um, but unfortunately, she uh, actually got a uterus implanted, yeah. uh, but her body rejected it and she ended up dying due to complications. Oh, wow. But yeah, so 1933, I think. Okay. So yeah, a uterus transplant is kind of wild. Yeah, <laughs> that's, that's big, especially for that time. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so yeah, they were kind of like, homosexuality was still very much illegal but they were in kind of a more liberal area of germany right and the laws were up to sort of the more like provincial governments to enforce mm -hmm. of course that changed <laughs> yeah as course. we mentioned yeah. this is 1930s <laughs> germany and what happens in the 30s uh hitler comes to power specifically in 1933 yep so uh four months after this happened it's very very quick uh, the Institute was raided and ransacked, and unfortunately, the staff and patients were harassed and some were beaten, uh, and the books were taken for a book burning to be held later. It was 
it was kind of a wild day. Like it was the first one was students came in um, and was like harassing staff mm-hmm. and doing all this stuff. And then um, I can't remember what the German word is, but those police, um, the like Nazi police, not the SS, yeah. the other ones, um, but they came in and were a little bit more systematic and they took all the books mm-hmm. for this book burning that they would have later. Uh, and then that night the police were like, this is closed forever. It was kind of three separate, oh, wow. like. Yeah, exactly. yeah, three steps. Yeah, in all in one day. Wow. Um, oh my God. Yeah, so it was it was pretty wild. Um, Hirschfeld had actually just left for a book tour when this happened. Uh, so he was not there. Oh, okay. Um, but obviously right. because of what was happening, he ended up being exiled to France. Uh, with his partner or partners, I was kind of unsure. There's two people he's there with. I think at one time, each of them had been a partner. I don't know if they were in like a polyamorous thing or if they were kind of all, but, um, yeah. So the three of them were living in France and I think about a year and a half later, um, Hirschfeld ended up dying of a heart attack, uh, in the South of France, which is unfortunate because he wanted to be able to go back to Germany one day. It's why he stayed quite close. Of course. Um, and even risked living in France during the Nazis because. Yeah, exactly. France had its own problems with anti-Semitism at the time. It was. Yeah. They did kind of a 180 in like the early, the late 1800s of being like pretty okay, actually. And then it's like, actually. Totally like. Uno yeah. <laughs> For sure. I think it was called the Dreyfus yeah. Affair, but it was this whole thing. Like. They right. thought there was a spy in the military and they were like, well, this one's Jewish. So it's obviously him. Yeah. The, the assumptions then, that are made. Yeah. And it just turned into this like whole thing. Mm-hmm. Um, Hirschfeld's sister had actually lived with him in the Institute. Um, but unfortunately she had not left Germany uh, and she passed away in um, one of the ghettos in 1942. Oh. So she did outlive her brother, but Yeah. It's a fun story. <laughs> exactly. That's why I was like, I mean, like Tony Evel and Charlotte Sherlock survives. So. Woo! We have a couple of bear survives. Yeah, yeah exactly. bear goes and lives with his wife, you know. There's some little bits. Exactly. It's not all bad. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then before Hirschfeld's death, he spoke and wrote about the idea that the sort of far right turn and not uh, racism that pervaded Germany was not an anomaly like a lot of people right. said it was. Um, and then instead had deep roots in the West's history. Um, a lot of people at the time claimed that Nazism was an aberration and like a step back from modernity and it came out of mm-hmm. nowhere. Um, <laughs> and he was like, no, it's actually an extreme variant of current Western ideas yeah. rather than something like completely exactly. new. And that they should be treated as like, but differences are like little, little bits. Degree. That's what it is. Yeah, differences exactly. of degree. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Rather okay, than being right. this entirely new type of racism and terribleness. Yeah, like, exactly. This doesn't come out of nowhere, guys. Yeah, it's not random, unfortunately. <laughs> no, well, that's the thing, right? Um, and like, so he even argued against the, like the word race and the way it's used to divide humanity. Totally. And yeah. he basically said, if you're going to use it, at least put it in quotes because of how questionable it is. Exactly. So, yeah, pretty cool, dude. Um, wrote a lot of really cool stuff, did some cool stuff. 
Um, unfortunately, it just happened to be at a time when there was a lot of violent pushback. Exactly. Yeah. It was not an ideal time for anyone back then, let alone. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So that's kind of, there were like some other things happening in other countries. Um, mm-hmm. For instance, Alan Hart was the first trans man to get a hysterectomy in the US, um, but that was in 1917. So it was actually after bears. Right. Um, so what I found um, was that all of these like firsts were in Germany and most of them were tied to uh, Hirschfeld and his institute. Interesting. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Go Hirschfeld. <laughs> I know. And like, I, this all happened much earlier than I thought it would. Like, yeah, no kidding. Hearing it's like early 1900s. I'm like, that's a lot sooner than I had anticipated hearing on this yeah. podcast today. <laughs> yeah. Well, and like, so Hart, the American one, I think he actually had like um, testicles implanted where like his ovaries would have been oh, okay. as like a way of giving him like masculine hormones. Exactly. Yeah. Which is wild. <laughs> Yeah, no kidding. Well, I imagine that would have been easier than like prescribing someone HRT at the time. Well, yeah, but like, we hadn't known wild, but it had only been a couple, like, I want to say less than a hundred years since we figured out that germs were a thing. (laughs) (laughs) You know, everybody thought it was like bad air before that. (laughs) Sounds about right. Logic, you know. (laughs) <laughs> oh for real like they're um they started trying to convince women to go to hospitals to have babies mm-hmm. um but they were terrified because the death rate was so high in some of these especially like student hospitals yeah and they couldn't figure out why so they're like uh no I'm gonna stick with a midwife and totally. like you know either stay at home or go to a birthing center because they know what they're doing yeah. um and then later like looking back they found out that it was because these students would go from performing an autopsy to learn about the human body, not wash their hands or change their clothes, and then deliver a baby. Oh my God. <laughs> yes. Yikes. Wow. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So when we were like, I will give birth in the street before I go into a hospital. Yeah, no kidding. Hence why the death rate was so high at the time. Yeah. The maternal mortality rates were, yeah. Sure. Yeah. Cause they were, cutting open dead people and then being like hello baby. yeah exactly like complete opposite side of things <laughs> Old yeah like ta-da oh yeah. yeah yeah no the whole like bad air thing was yeah. it actually held sway for a very very long time it's kind of wild wow yeah no kidding that's um I've yeah. never heard that before that's interesting oh yeah yeah they thought it was bad air um so they would like open windows and try to have like lots of air circulation if they could or they'd be like of course this person's sick they're in a like basement with no windows <laughs> oh my send her to the seaside yeah, exactly the fresh ocean breeze <laughs> yeah wow yeah which in some ways worked just because so many sicknesses were because of living in the oh, city totally. and like pollution and stuff so like yeah go to the seaside get a little exactly better. yeah go away from the rest of humanity and you'll be fine you know yeah <laughs> Which I would not be against. Be like, you know, right. here, you've you've been hysterical. Exactly. And unwell. And so we're going to send you to the beach for like six weeks. And you don't nice. have to deal with your husband or your children or any concerns. 
<laughs> you can just go and relax. It'll be like a vacation. Yeah, in these days yeah. at least. I'm sure it was much different back then, but... <laughs> Yeah, the hysteria thing was like a whole other. Oh yeah, that's like a whole other topic we could discuss. <laughs> Which, have you ever looked up like the potential causes of hysteria that they thought of? Like they had pamphlets. Oh, really? Oh, I've never looked up like the causes work. of them, but I've looked up a lot of like the treatments and the remedies, if you will. Um, and those- Yeah, uh, <laughs> vibrators. Yeah, vibrators <laughs> yeah, it's like, wow. <laughs> not against exactly I was um, born in the wrong era but not really <laughs> yes but exactly. no <laughs> being non-binary I am definitely in the right era <laughs> I mean I was an emergency c-section and I have glasses I would be yeah, exactly <laughs> <laughs> um yeah no but some of the like quote-unquote causes were like being too hot being too cold, reading novels, riding bicycles. <laughs> oh my God. Just like everyday, totally normal things. It's like, this is why you're going oh, yeah. crazy. Well, the, I mean, I was going to say the hysteria yeah. around bicycles, but the panic around bicycles was wild because men were like, they're going to break their hymens and take their virginity and going to make them hysterical and like, oh it's going to give them freedom. And, Jesus. and they're wearing bicycle pants. No bicycles allowed. Pants yeah exactly <laughs> yeah so wild times the 1900s <laughs> truly wild <laughs> for hours I feel like yeah if you go like like mid 1800s to like mid 1900s it's like just a wild Total time shit show <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh but yeah so it's like a quick history yeah I was like, it's Friday morning and I have to record in an hour. Exactly. So this is <laughs> depth that you get. <laughs> no, it makes sense. Yeah, it's, it's a Friday podcast. I wasn't, I wasn't expecting to record two podcasts this yeah, week. Yeah, no, nor was I. I didn't even know podcasts were a thing on Monday. Yeah. <laughs> Which yeah, I love. Yeah, it's that was amazing. Informative. Yeah, that was what your first day? Yeah, my day? first day. I was like, like, oh, by the way. you're going to be a podcast today. And I was like, okay. And then our technical error occurred and we don't need to get into that. Technical error. Yeah, let's call yeah. it that. Not Becca muted the mic. <laughs> it's a technicality. You know, like the report there. Yeah, the absolutely. was just yeah. gone. <laughs> I almost could have like voiced over ourselves and just like made it completely... And still post the video, that would be, that would actually be right. really funny. Just be like a completely different topic. So everybody's like, why aren't their mouths lining up with their words? And like, it would just be this small little mystery that nobody understood. Like one of those really bad dubs. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. Maybe, maybe we'll do that as a fun thing at some point. Who yeah, knows? exactly. If we have the time, we'll, we'll see. We'll play around like, with it. Yeah, but no, I feel like we've made it now because we have a lost episode. Exactly. I feel like that's what we already kind of did. We have a secret episode that's only on our YouTube, but now we have a lost episode. Right? That's how you know you made it as a podcast. Like there are degrees, you know, like you have to do this and then this and then this, and then you're like a real podcast. <laughs> Absolutely. You have to do something dumb and lose an episode. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> or the audio episode. <laughs> there you go yeah <laughs> which for a podcast is basically the whole episode yeah well you know minor details right minor minor it's okay <laughs> um 
<laughs> for those of you who are like, I'm so curious what you talked about. I will, we'll redo it, but I'll do it with Kelsey. So it'll be new to them. Yeah. Um, Cause I feel like if me and Paige re-recorded it, it would just be like, what is, what are we doing? Exactly. It would be hysterical. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just to come full circle. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Um, Paige, what's your queer joy? I'm going to use the same queer joy that I used in the last okay. episode because nobody has heard it yet. Um, my queer joy has been starting my practicum with the Out Loud Foundation. Um, I've been out as non-binary for about a year and a half, um, but this is actually the first job that I've held where I've been out in the workplace. And so the amount of queer joy that that brings me is astronomical and I love it. Yay! We love having you. Um Yes, I guess that is part of my career joy in that we have a practicum student now, which is extremely exciting. Um, social media is no more. <laughs> yeah, we don't have to do social media. We just got the lineup for our Halloween drag show. Um, and it's incredibly exciting. There are some really amazing performers. So if you live in the St. Albert area uh, and you're looking for something to do the Friday of that Halloween-y weekend, come join us at the Arden. Um and my my big queer joy is that today I'm gonna go to Spirit Halloween. Cause it's pedo. Yay! That's amazing. <laughs> oh my goodness. That is excellent queer joy. Yeah, well, because we need we all need a costume for our the Halloween show. Yeah, so. part of my work day today has been researching what I could do for a costume. Um, so <laughs> yeah, I feel you. <laughs> That's, my plan is they have a, a Crystal Lake camp counselor costume from like Friday the 13th oh awesome so I might do that and like then have like fake blood <laughs> Love <that. I> <laughs> that's, yeah so that's my career joy um yeah nice thank you everybody for being patient and not being upset that there was no episode last week again <laughs> I am sorry um and yeah thank you all for joining us be kind to yourself and others and we will see you next week bye bye everyone